name's Linda Brown. I'm an alcoholic. Linda. Thank you. Um, thanks, Kent, for asking me four months ago to do this. And uh, thanks, Jesse, for reminding me uh, earlier this week that I said I would do it. And then at, uh, I completely spaced about the whole thing. And then Bert, Bert's phone makes a noise. He's like, 7.30 speaker meeting. And I was like, oh, my God, I forgot. And I'm like, I'm in my baby suit, running to get a sweater set, throwing on some yoga pants. It was a shit show. <laughs> anyway, so thanks. I'm so glad that you sent that text and it reminded me and that I didn't uh, blow off the, the commitment because commitments are important. If you're new to Alcoholics Anonymous, welcome. Um, if you don't know what a commitment is, welcome. I didn't know what a commitment was when I was brand new. In fact, uh, somebody said to me in one of my first like three meetings, uh, you need to get a commitment. And I go, I don't know what you're talking about. You know, and at that, you know, that was almost 13 years ago. And he's like, well, you know, you, if they ask for somebody to wipe the tables, raise your hand, or if they ask for somebody to greet at the next meeting, raise your hand. And I was like, okay, I'll do that. So, um, and, but commitments have saved my life and, um, in this program. And I'm really glad that I've, um, had them. And my husband came up with this great saying that says it's called a commitment, not a convenient. Whenever I complain about, I ha have a commitment to do. He always throws that at me and I'm like, Oh, I hate when he says that, but he's right. Um, and it's truly an honor and a privilege to be here tonight. I want to say happy birthday to Ken. I'm looking forward to celebrating you tomorrow night at our Monday night meeting. I'm so glad that you're part of um the fellowship that um you know in the groups that i go to and happy birthday to kent with 18 years i'm really glad that i was here to um listen to both your birthday shares alcoholics anonymous is the most important significant thing i do on a daily basis and um i by no means do it perfectly um the only thing that i've managed to do perfectly is um you know not to get drunk or loaded in the last you know um 12.57 uh, years. And I, I know the 0.57 because I'm a nerd and I download the apps and I got all the things and um, I like it. And I too love the literature. Um, did not love um, doing the steps when I first got here, but I learned how to love it um, through the process of um, reward. That's That works really good for me. Um, I like positive reinforcement and reward. So, um, uh, so I'll tell you just a little bit about myself and oh, can I ask Jesse, how long am I supposed to talk for? 40 minutes. Okay, good. Then my timer was set for 30. So I'm just going to start it, wrap it up with that. So, um, so my first drink of alcohol was, um, like 1984, 85 after a high school football game. And, uh, from a pony keg in the back of, um, Lisa Adams, um, yard, her backyard, and um, she lived across the street from the, the um, high school. And me and my friend Michelle went to this after football high school party, and um, they had the red solo cups, even though it was in the 80s. Those were been around for years and years and years, decades now. But um, she, uh, like, um, you, a pony keg was this keg of beer that you had to pump, but it was small. It wasn't like a big giant keg and pumped a bunch of beer and it like got mostly foam and I drank the beer and I had a couple more beers and um that was my first drunk I had um little tastes of alcohol before like my dad would make margaritas on um 
Cinco de Mayo, which is coming up, a good holiday. And um, he, uh, and, and you know, I would be like, oh, can I have a sip? Can I have a sip? Because, you know, I thought it was uh, um, like, it looked like a Slurpee to me. So, um, but my first real drunk was in um, like 1984, 85 after a football game. And I got super sick that night, probably because I drank all that foam. Like I didn't know you weren't supposed to drink the foam. And, um, and I went home and I puked for a long time. And, um, but I remember it be, ha, being so fun. I remember feeling so grown up and so likable and I felt pretty. I felt thin. I felt like I had good hair because I was not pretty. I was not thin and I had really shitty hair. Um, and, but I felt all those things being drunk. And like, I called my friend, Michelle, the next morning and I was like, Hey, are we going to do that again? And, uh, that's how my drinking career started. The book talks about, um, you know, heavy drinkers and alcoholics. And I was probably a, he I'm for sure a heavy drinker right out of the gate. Once I, you know, learned how to drink on my own and, um, but gone within a few years, I'm sure that my alcoholism progressed very quickly as the book also describes that, you know, women are far gone a lot quicker or can be. So I think that that was the experience that I had. Um, and so uh, I'll fast forward. I can remember now that I've done some inventories, um, the book talks about an invisible line that we cross, right? And um, I can remember when that happened for me. It was on my 30th birthday. And I had, um, I was in my second marriage and I had just come home um, from a trip to Seattle, I was by myself. Uh, my daughter was with her father for the weekend and my um, then husband was out with his girlfriend and I came home and I was super depressed. I couldn't, um, I couldn't understand how my life had become what it had become. And I was standing in my kitchen by myself. Nobody was home, all the lights were off and I was drinking um, VO and seven all by myself. And um, I didn't know that that type of behavior um, would be characteristic of alcoholism, but it, but in the inventories that I've done since getting sober in 2007, I can definitely see that that was alcoholic behavior for me. So um, I was a, that was, uh, gosh, so 68, 78, 80, no, that couldn't be, 88, 98, it was in 1998, and so from 1998 to 2007, um, I had a lot of, um, a lot of unhappy scenes um, in my not-so-luxurious apartment, and, um, and there was a lot of alcoholism in my home. I was um, married to an alcoholic and a drug addict, and, uh, and, it was the typical alcoholic drug addict home life that you would expect, um, you know, when you have two alcoholics living together. And I dragged my daughter through all that, um, through all that shit. So um, in, uh, in 2006, I had a life changing event that, um, that forced me to, um, to make some dramatic changes in my life and um basically i had a gun uh put in my mouth and um and 
I knew that that was probably um, the end of the road for that relationship. And so uh, I had to, um, I had to take some legal action and I had to um, try to move on with my life in a safe way. And uh, I did that by, um, by immediately, um, the minute my um, then husband moved out, within uh, like a couple of months, I moved in a heroin addict because that seemed like the right thing to do. And, um, and so, but the miracle of that situation is that, that that guy was on parole and he got busted for smoking pot in my apartment. And his parole officer said he wasn't going to violate him, but he was going to make him go to AA meetings. And even though I didn't know anything about AA, I thought, whew, finally, like, we could get some of the heat off. Like, we could just slow down because I felt like a runaway train. I felt like, God dang, if I could just not, like, get so messed up. And my friends often told me, like, do you realize you never say, hey, let's go out and get a drink? And um, I thought, I invite you guys to go out and drink all the time. What are you talking about? My friend said, no, you always say, let's go out and get fucked up. You never say, let's go have a drink. And I was like, same thing. I didn't know there was a difference. So, um, so those are just little telltale signs of, you know, that I had a problem and I really wasn't aware of it, um, quite as, as much as I'd like to think that I was. So, um, my, my first introduction to AA though, um, took place, um, on, with a phone call from a friend who had said, um, do you think, uh, do you think you have a drinking problem? And I said, no. And it was, it was just a drunk dial one night that I made to his wife and, you know, like, Hey, I'm going to kill myself. I just want to tell you you're a great friend, yada, yada, yada. I'd made a lot of calls like that. Um, you know, in the, in that time frame of my life. And, um, and she put her husband on the phone cause she said she didn't have the skill set to deal with me. And then he asked me if I, I thought I had a drinking problem. And I said, uh, I didn't think so. I just felt like I wanted to kill myself all the time. And um, he said, would I be willing to go to an AA meeting? And I said, I don't know what the automobile club is going to do for me. And he laughed and he said, not AAA. He said, AA, Alcoholics Anonymous. And um, I, I didn't think I had a problem at that time. But um, by the time the, the heroin addict got busted and um, I knew, like, I knew the jig was up and I kind of felt relieved, um, at that time. And that was in, um, September of 2007. And, uh, I went to a couple meetings, um, and I drank in between meetings and, um, my last drink was on October 4th, 2007 happens to be my friend patio's, um, AA anniversary day, and uh, I was at the meeting. She took that, I think that year she took a 32-year chip that night, and everybody was like, oh, patio this, patio that, and I thought, oh my god, who is this patio lady, and why is she such a big deal, and my, my, um, the girl that said she was going to be my sponsor, I didn't know what a sponsor was, but she, this girl said, I'm going to be your sponsor. I said, okay, great, um, whatever that is. She, um, she happened to be like, a sponsee of a sponsee of patios. And so she said that Thursday night, she said, tomorrow night, we're going to go bowling for patios birthday and you're going to go. And I said, okay. And so, um, 
I went home that night, got rip roaring drunk and um, drove to Chino to have a conversation with my first ex-husband. And he berated me for like an hour and a half in a parking lot of an In-N-Out Burger. And, uh, and I um, went, I drove home. He said, if you go home and you don't die and you ever pull this shit again, I'm going to take your, I'm going to take our daughter away from you and you're never going to see her again. And something clicked in me. I got super pissed in that moment. Um, and my like pride, I look back now and I can see that pride, my defective character of pride became a quick asset in that moment because I thought I'm happy to hand her over to you, but if you think you're going to take her, you got another thing coming. And, um, I don't know how I knew this. I must've seen it on a piece of paper. I must've seen it in a book or somebody must've told me, but I went to the morning meeting at the Canyon club the very next day. And, um, and that was October 5th, 2007. And that was my first day sober. And um, that night I went to the bowling party for patio and I sat on the steps of the bowling alley inside crying, crying, crying. Um, and uh, patio walked by and patted me on the head and said, are you still crying? And I was like, you were so mean. And um, she turned out to be a great friend and I'm super grateful that um, I got to know her and um, call her a friend in this program. I have a lot of, um, I owe her a lot and, and, um, cause she was never my sponsor, but she was always my friend. And that it was a huge deal for me. So, um, so fast forward, like I get a sponsor. She starts taking me through the steps. She says to me, Hey, you know, do you pray? And I was like, no, I don't pray. And I'm like, swearing like a truck driver and it was I'm so embarrassed now by that behavior but um but uh she told me just to say um thank you when I went to bed to say thank you to whatever I wanted to say thank you to because I was praying to the ceiling and I would flip the ceiling off in the morning when I would wake up not dead and um so she said well just say thank you before you go to bed and um when you wake up I want you to say please and um, what she meant was, thank you for keeping me sober and please keep me sober. And I did that for a long time. That was the only way I could um, utter prayers because I was so angry with um, the God that I had a relationship with. But um, slowly but surely, um, taking the steps through the 12 and 12 and doing and reading the big book and then doing an inventory as outlined in the in the big book. Um, I started to develop a different relationship with a God of my understanding and my life started to get better. My daughter didn't hate me as much. Um, but if you're new, that came, that comes to change. It ebbs and flows. Just what happens, I think, with daughters, um, or children in general. I don't know. Um, you know, I, my daughter suffers from, um, the disease of alcoholism because she was raised in an alcoholic home, not because she's alcoholic. I don't know if she is, but I know that the disease of alcoholism has directly affected her in her life and the choices that she's um, been forced to make. So, um, you know, our relationship has been really good for a long time now, but there, there have been times in my sobriety where I can definitely tell you that was not the case. So, um, but again, having worked the steps and developed a, um, developing a relationship with God, it's just continued to grow and grow. And um, like I said, in the beginning, I did not like taking the steps. I did not, I didn't want to do the work. Like probably my number one defect of character is sloth, which is 
why I try to work so hard in the other direction to, to, um, to do things in this program, to be of service, to have commitments and to participate in my recovery because I really want everything for nothing. Um, that's like somehow built into my DNA. I don't know where I got it because I have hardworking parents, um, but somehow it's a characteristic of my alcoholism. Um, and so I have to work really hard to not be slothful. And I do that through, um, you know, putting the principles of Alcoholics Anonymous and, um, you know, services to me, service is the key in this program. So I'm going to check my time. Uh, so um, in 2009, I was two years sober and um, about probably about eight months before that, um, I was, I was not quite a year and a half sober and I was super dry. I was super angry and um, I was... The moderator will mute them. Okay. Um, so um, I was super dry and, um, you know, just doing like the, the 12 and 12 talks about the AA two step, right? Like uh, powerless over alcohol, life was unmanageable, don't drink no matter what. And then, you know, wiping tables, right? Or being a secretary. And I wasn't um, working on on um, spiritual progress and, and spiritual growth and, you know, expanding my um, my spiritual life in any way, shape or form. And I didn't feel like drinking, but I felt like killing myself. And um, and I sat in a meeting with Patio, again, a friend, not a sponsor, but a friend. And she said, yeah, you're going to have to do some work around that. And so one more time I started um, going through the steps and I did a, another um, thorough inventory. And in that series of, of having worked the steps at um, almost uh, a year and a half sober, my life completely changed. Everything in Alcoholics Anonymous was like, um, it was kind of like, um, I always hear people talk about like, you know, living in technicolor. So like, my life was black and white and dreary when I got here. And then in the first, you know, almost 18 months of sobriety, it was like somebody took a black and white movie and colorized it. So you could tell it was always black and white, but it had that funky weird color and all the people had those weird blue teeth. And then, um, but when I worked the steps that second time with a new sponsor and I went through them from beginning to end, um, full blown Technicolor, like, uh, Univision or whatever that crap is called. Like it, my life completely changed. I fell so in love with Alcoholics Anonymous, so in love with the process of working the steps fully in love. I made God, my boyfriend. That was one thing that I did. I was like, I'm going to make God my boyfriend. And I had a great relationship with God. Um, and the, the God that I grew to understand in through the process of working the steps, um, where, um, like, I would cry in my car because I'd turn on a, I'd turn on the radio. And if it was a love song, like I would just for a minute think that that was a song that God was singing to me or sending to me. And I would just break down and start sobbing. 
And I knew that I was having a spiritual awakening every time that that happened. It was drawing me closer and closer and closer to a God of my understanding. So um, about six or eight months after um, I started that process and, um, and had those experiences, um, uh, at the time I had a MySpace. But um, I, so like to me, MySpace was like the black and white um, movie with the, you know, somebody went through and painted all this, all the slides and made it color because then I went to Facebook. I got a Facebook. I was like in the Technicolor world. And um, a friend of mine that I went to high school with, her son um, graduated um, to become an EMT and she, she posted about it. And and I wrote a little message to her on the post saying, congratulations, that's so exciting. I'm like so happy for you, must be so proud, right? You know, the stuff that you do when you're, when your friends and your family and people excel and, um, and good things happen to them. Like I had this genuine joy and I wanted to express it. And what happened as a result of that um, was that I got a message from a, a man that I knew um, when I was 15 years old. He was a really good friend of my um, brother's. Um, I was friends with his sister. We both worked at the Mission Drive-In together. Um, and he happened to be that, that young man's um, father. And he sent me a little message that said, uh, Linda Brown, it's so nice to see you on here. I've thought about you over the years. And I wrote back, Bert stuck. Holy shit. I thought you were dead. And, um, and then immediately Bert and I began to have a conversation and, um, and then, um, you know, when, when somebody sends you a friend request back then, this is what I did. I don't know if this is what you did, but you like instantly go and you look at their pictures. And the first picture I saw, I am not kidding you is a picture of Bert standing in front of a tombstone and I immediately knew what that tombstone was and that was the tombstone that Bill talks about reading on the first um, page of his story in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous and I thought holy shit this guy knows what I'm doing and um, and so we had a little conversation back and forth about um, you know what we do uh, without you know in a, in a, in a way where it was trying, I was not trying to compromise his anonymity, but, you know, talking about my experience and, um, turns out that, you know, he was almost 15 years sober at the time. And I was going to, and I had just, um, turned, I had just turned to a couple months before. And so, um, and so my experience one more time was that, um, I have a power greater than myself working in my life. And, um, and it's not, I'm not saying if you work the steps, you're going to get a great boyfriend, but I'm saying that if you, um, for me, my experience has been is that I worked the steps and I became open to what Alcoholics Anonymous had to offer me. And I fell in love with Alcoholics Anonymous. I made God my boyfriend and, um, my life completely turned around one more time. And there's nothing in my life today that I have obtained materially or physically um, 
and there's nothing in my life today that I have obtained intellectually or emotionally that I cannot attribute to Alcoholics Anonymous. If it weren't for Alcoholics Anonymous, I definitely would not be sitting in my living room or my dining room on a Zoom meeting talking to anyone. I was in such a dark, deep hole of depression and self-pity and resentment that um, if I hadn't drank myself to death, I, I probably would have somehow killed myself by getting you know, behind the wheel of a car, which I'd done no, numerous times before, or, you know, or putting myself, you know, in a situation where a gun gets stuck in my mouth one more time. And this time I don't make it out of it, you know, alive and well. So um, everything I have is definitely a result of Alcoholics Anonymous. There's nothing, um, there's nothing great or wonderful in my life. In fact, we just, the last trip we took um, was to Fargo, North Dakota. Like, honest to God, the last place I want to go is Fargo, North Dakota, maybe like Siberia. I probably wouldn't want to go there. I haven't heard great things about going to Siberia, but man, it's freaking cold in Fargo, North Dakota. And we had to go in um, February. And that was the last trip we took before all this quarantine stuff started. And um, the fact that I was able to go on that trip, show up, be joyful about going um, and to participate in my daughter's wedding is a result of Alcoholics Anonymous. There have been years in my sobriety, I alluded to before, that, you know, where my relationship with her has ebbed and flowed. And, um, and I know that that's a result of my alcoholism, the alcoholism that I put all over her, raising her in alcoholic homes and scenarios. So um, I take responsibility for that. And I, um, but I've also gained enough self-love through, um, through, the God of my understanding and through the process of working the steps to know um, that I am doing enough work to be, um, to be respected. I'm doing enough work to, um, to be treated kindly and lovingly and to um, not be, to not put myself in abusive situations anymore. And, um, and so as a result of all of those things that I gained, all the knowledge I've gained, but more than anything, all the emotional and spiritual growth that I've had, um, I have a really good relationship with her and, you know, Bert and I were able to go and celebrate her um, and her wife's wedding in Fargo, North Dakota. And so fast forward to like today, right now, sitting in my dining room, like, you know, throwing on a sweater so I can um, be in this meeting last minute. Um, I just, I had said yes um, a month ago to what has now turned out to be the craziest commitment I have ever said yes to. And that was answering phones for the New York inner group um, in um, between 4 p.m. and 7 p.m. our time, which is 7 p.m. and 10 p.m. their time, which is, I, I think it might be the, the, the wacko hour. I talked to, um, I had 12 phone calls in less than 50 minutes. My phone just kept ringing. I was like, I can't answer. I need like a headset and I need a switchboard. I need some hold. I needed, I was crazy. I was like, whoa, this is insane. Um, but I got the hang of it and, um, and, um, it was exciting and, uh, and I absolutely loved talking to every alcoholic that I got a chance to talk to. Um, and, 
I know that uh, I know that my life would not be as full and as joyful as it is if it weren't for Alcoholics Anonymous. Even in this time where I am like, there's days where I just want to pull my hair out because I am not um, as slothful as I am. I do not like staying home. Um, it, I don't like staying home because I don't like being told what to do. That might be a better statement. Um, but um, I'm really, really grateful that I learned how to say yes in Alcoholics Anonymous. I learned how to fall in love with Alcoholics Anonymous. I learned how to fall in love with the process of the steps and with a power greater than myself, um, who I call God. And um, if you're new, I would encourage you to get a sponsor that um, you know is familiar with the 12 and 12 and familiar with the big book because my experience was I needed both of those books to be able to have um, to have a, an, an, a working knowledge of the steps and, and to be able to have a, a psychic change. And I'm so glad that I found a sponsor that, that was able to do that and willing to do that with me. So um, I think my time is almost up. So I'm gonna um, wrap it up and say thank you, thank you, thank you so much again. Um, I'm sorry that I like jumped on the last second and I wanna say thank you so much to Bert who um, didn't give me any side-eye or attitude when I asked him. I said, holy shit, I forgot to ask you. I need you to be my 10-minute speaker. Um, and he went, whoo, jumped off the couch and went and threw on a, a collared shirt, which I'm super grateful for. So um, I love Alcoholics Anonymous. Again, the most significant, important thing I do on a daily basis. I'm so, so grateful to be here. And thank you for asking me to be your speaker. <laughs>